Welcome to the Peace Catalyst podcast, where we share stories to inspire, uplift, and encourage you in your peacemaking journey. I'm Becca Pugh. I'm a program director with Peace Catalyst International in the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Giles. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Keith Giles. My wife, Wendy, and I work with Peace Catalyst in El Paso, Texas. Welcome to the fifth episode in our Muslim Women Peacemakers series. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to talk more about peacemaking. Yeah, and for this episode, we're introducing a new uh, portion of our podcast episode, which is a peacemaking quote of the week. And so for this episode, we're sharing a quote by John Paul Lederach, who is kind of a father of peacebuilding theory. Um And he happens to be a Christian, and he wrote a really cool book called Reconcile, um, which is about how to transform conflict for everyday ordinary Christians. So the quote says, It is about joining God in the mission of reconciliation by building bridges and bringing down the dividing walls of hostility between individuals and groups. Yeah, that is, I think, what we're trying to do with Peace Catalyst is bringing people together from different sides and trying to help us uh, begin relationships and conversations that lead to peace. Well, why don't we go on and get into our conversation. Uh, In this episode, um, we were very honored to speak with uh, two amazing Muslim women peacemakers. Uh, They uh, are founders of a group called Eat With Muslims. And uh, this was a really inspiring conversation. So let's get into it. excited to have Fatia Absia and Elise Aiden here from Eat With Muslims in Seattle, Washington. Fatia is a Somali-American writer, filmmaker, and public speaker. There's a documentary called Broken Dreams about the collective outcry against the recruitment of Somali youth in Minnesota. And Elise Aiden is a Somali-American activist who's lived in D.C. and Seattle. And um, She's an activist and advocate for immigrants and asylum seekers from all different backgrounds. And together, you ladies have been facilitating these awesome meals with Eat With Muslims. Um, We're so so grateful you're here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both for joining us. Um, So we we were very curious to hear about this um, organization that you started, Eat With Muslims, because a lot of it, it sounds a lot like what we do at Peace Feast. And so it sounds really interesting. Um, it's also sometimes a shock to find out you didn't invent this. And like, hey, other people have the same great idea. It is a great idea. And uh, so can you tell us how you came up with this idea, uh, Eat With Muslims, <laughs> and what is it, and uh, and why do you do it? So uh, actually, Fatia and I met uh, in 2016 when we both moved back to Seattle. Um, and we got together and... It was kind of the height of just, you know, the election had just happened and um, we just kept hearing such, you know, terrible rhetoric around who Muslims are and just spreading so much Islamophobia that we really wanted to do something to educate our communities and bring people together. And we thought, well, how about let's do it through food? (laughs) And um, one thing that we, we decided was to host our first dinner in January of 2017, so just about four years ago, 
And we had no idea what it would become or where we would get funding from, but we wanted to continue the series. And it turned out that um, pretty much every month from then on, we held two dinners. Um, we were able to get grants to help fund us. And we've um, since then served over 65 dinners and events and probably have brought together over 4,500 people. So we had no idea that our first dinner, which was about 12 people, would, would go on this long. But we really did find that people wanted to have real dialogue, real interfaith dialogue, um, and be able to have a space to ask questions about Islam and Muslims and what we believe in and to really get connected back to what it means to be a good neighbor and to be there for each other, especially during difficult times when we felt like our community was being targeted. Yeah, wow, that's a great, it's a wonderful idea, getting people together for meals. And so when when you come together, uh, well, I guess maybe we should back it up and maybe ask, like maybe in, in order. <laughs> so first of all, how do you find people to invite? Um, who, what kinds of people do you invite? And and where do you meet? Or who who hosts, you know, these dinners that you have together? Um, well, our, our first dinner was friends and uh, friends of friends. And, um, and then after that, we actually, um, we had our second dinner in downtown Seattle. And before our second dinner, we had, um, a couple of people, um, that I guess shared our story with, uh, KUOW, which is, uh, national public radio, the local station here. And they got in touch with us and, um, and asked us if, uh, we would be able to let them, uh, join us for dinner and, and uh, do a story. And so they came and um, for our second dinner, did the story, and it pretty much um, <laughs> went on from there. Uh, people started calling us and um, sending us email um, uh, on, our, on our website and ask, asking us, you know, can we, you know, when is your next dinner and can we, you know, make a reservation, this and that. And uh, it, just, it, it just became... <laughs> incredible uh so much more than what we had expected and um after that we would basically uh post a dinner uh without the address and uh, and and ask people if they are interested to just go ahead and uh, make a reservation and yeah and we would have to always you know within within hours our dinners would uh you know sold out so it was pretty incredible. I guess uh, there was such a hunger for people to actually meet Muslims. There's so many wonderful people. Um, who There are so many people who don't really have an issue with Islam or with Muslims, but just simply don't know enough Muslims and um, and 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 want to know, want to get to know Muslims and uh, know more about Islam. And um, uh, yeah, it just it became so. It was fascinating to 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 watch and see, um, you know, that it became almost a national sensation. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw that you were on the Today Show. Um, is that right? Yeah. Yes. That was That's so much incredible. fun. Oh, so cool. Yeah, and we yeah. and we host the dinners um, in homes, community centers. In uh, schools, we've hosted in elementary and uh, high school and middle school. 
Um, we've hosted dinners in churches, synagogues, um, and so, yeah, places of worship, community centers, and really any space that we can get a hold of. Um, we try to make the space free just to limit our costs because holding dinners and events is pretty expensive. So um, we find that a lot of our um, uh, brothers and sisters in, in have places of worship with big kitchens and beautiful basements with lots of space. And they're so welcoming and we're like, yes, this is perfect. Um, so it's, it's been lovely to, to be able to, to host all in all kinds of spaces. Wow. That's incredible. That's amazing. And it sounds like it's really impacting the larger community too. Um, so what I'm curious, like what happens at these dinners? Do people talk to each other across different groups? Does somebody get up and share a story? What kind of um, things take place during these dinners? So in the beginning, uh, each dinner, you know, Elise and I would get up and, um, you know, uh, introduce ourselves and introduce the project and why uh, we decided to, um, you know, establish this uh, program. And after that, you know, uh, we would always have on our tables, uh, we would create obviously beautiful uh, tables and, and we would have little messages that um, that are from the Quran Um and uh, first from the Quran and um, a lot of people, especially it, it, it was interesting because um, when we go to churches or synagogues, like if you don't have uh, the, the end of the first, if you don't have the Quran, a lot of people wouldn't know where it came from. It could be from the Torah, from the Bible. Um, and that was always a, 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 a sort of a spark to start a conversation between people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would obviously, you know, uh, coordinate mixed people, make sure that, you know, there are Muslims and non-Muslims in the table um, so people um, would get to know each other. And uh, <laughs> oftentimes, um, you know, our dinners would be really emotional because people, mm-hmm. some people would, just, you know, tear up or break down because, you know, to, to, to see how much we have in common and that we're so much more alike than we are unlike, mm-hmm. yet we don't really know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, especially if, you're, if you are harboring some feelings, you know, towards Muslims, um, uh, it, it, it was really interesting uh, to watch. Um, uh, there was times when, you know, um, people would get up and say, you know, I, I just never realized, you know, Islam, um, loves Jesus and that Islam, um, that you're not fully, you don't uh, have a full conviction if you're a Muslim, um, unless you believe in Jesus or Moses or, you know, um, yeah. mm-hmm. all the prophets. And, um, you know, as Muslims, <laughs> we know a lot more about Christianity and, and, and Judaism, for example, uh, but a lot of our Muslim, uh, I'm Christian brothers and sisters, and and and, and don't really know. It's it, we found out. We thought people knew; they just didn't care. But <laughs> it's really interesting to to learn that a lot of people didn't know much about Islam, and that many good people uh, were there to just. Well, I don't have any problem with you, although maybe you know right. some people. Think, although maybe Islam is kind of weird, you know, but. Um, Still, you know, we accept people, but 
didn't realize, well, Islam's not that weird at all. It's not, you know, there's so many, there are so many similarities and actually Islam in a way <laughs> uh, is, is much more accepting to Christianity and to Judaism than vice versa. Yes. That is a, you know, that, first of all, thank you for saying that. Uh, I think you're exactly right. And, and I, I found it to be also uh, as a, as a Christian, I, I've also found it to be fascinating to talk to Christians who think they think they know Islam, but what they know of Islam is really nothing or it's just, uh, you know, stereotypical things that they've heard. Uh, people also don't know anything about Islam, by the way, tell them about it. And then, but when you tell them what you just said, like, did you know um, that the Quran mentions Jesus many times? They, they don't know that. And if you tell them, well, you know, by the way, the Islam teaches many of the same things about Jesus that you, uh, you believe as a Christian. They don't know that either. And so yes. when you, uh, it seems like th these kinds of meals are wonderful opportunities to uh, share a great meal, uh, sit across the table from someone who isn't like you, and have your assumptions <laughs> completely uh, blown away and realize, oh, I had no idea. And and, and you, I'm curious, so you talked about sometimes people cry. I mean, uh, are, have you had... Um, have they always been good reactions? Are they been mixed reactions? Have you had some people just still walk away kind of like, well, uh, I'm still not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious the kinds of reactions that you get. Mm -hmm. I would say not, I think maybe 98% of the time it's always good reactions. Um, one thing that we've, we've heard a lot about, especially because we live in Seattle and folks are, you know, the, they equate this idea that we're in a quote-unquote progressive city with knowledge and understanding. For yeah. some reason, that's not the case. I mean, just because you are uh, liberal or you vote a certain way doesn't mean that you might um, not have any prejudice or bias towards things that you don't know about. Um, and it's not something you really teach in school, and it's... Um, as you've seen in media, the stereotypes that are blasted through is often what people think about, not the actual Quran or, you know. So um, when folks were like, well, do, does Seattle really need this? Or does our larger King County really need this? And we're like, yeah, they, everybody needs this. This has nothing to do with location. Um, and so, you know, through our dinners, here we have a lot of people who are very open-minded and come in open-minded. I think there's some comments that will be made that's like, oh, let me, this is a perfect, this is why you're here. Like this is a perfect time to share X, Y, and Z, or maybe talk more about the five pillars or, you know, um, you know, I, I always laugh. Fatia and I were always laughing at, at, at um, the, this couple. They were, they're, they were just wonderful. And, she, we were talking about Jesus and she was like, honey, honey, can you, they love Jesus. Why have I always thought that Muslims hated Jesus? And, right. and she's like, I just can't believe how much I learn. And it's through, it's literally through just like folks sitting down. We, we have, uh, you know, we try to have at least, you know, 30% of the folks be Muslim so that we can spread and have diverse tables and diverse conversations around tables. Um, so, but then, you know, I think the, the one time we did have some, something weird, it was maybe more political, 
Um, but that was when we were in Bend, Oregon, because we, we have traveled to about seven other cities to do this oh, wow. dinner. Um, and so Bend is, you know, a smaller, smaller city. Um, but yeah, this gentleman was offended because um, our former uh, president um, was brought up. And so he wanted to walk out. And so those kind of things, it's like, ah, but good thing Fatia like ran after him and was like, come back in, like, let's have a conversation. You know, it's so easy to walk away when things get uncomfortable, but to be fair, we are constantly uncomfortable, you know, especially as black Muslim women. Right. It's like, uh, if I, if I had the chance to run away when I was uncomfortable, then I probably wouldn't be here anymore. So, um, you know, so it was, it was really eye opening. He did come back and we ended up having such a great conversation and ended it on a good note. And that's literally what this is all about. It's about staying through the long, hard, difficult conversations and then hoping to keep you full and nourished so you can at least go home with a smile. <laughs> Another thing that's that's very interesting uh, is the fact that you know we always try to invite, um, make sure that uh, Muslims from every shade in humanity are part of you know at least Muslims from different cultures and different um, backgrounds um, uh, are part of the dinners. And so um, whenever we have white Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> our, our fellow non-Muslims w- would be almost shaking, you know, like, <laughs> well, um, they, they just didn't, a lot of people didn't, don't expect that there would be white Muslims, uh, or they would assume that if there are white Muslims, they must be reverts, uh, which is not always the case, <laughs> because there are, you know, Muslim Europeans who have been Muslims, you know, forever, you know, uh, and so it, it, there, there were times when folks actually just got really uncomfortable with, you know, after seeing a white, you know, blonde hair, blue eye, right. <laughs> uh, uh, Muslims, uh, which was very, very interesting. Um, and, and, you know, we, we would tell them, well, you know, don't be shaken because Islam has every shade in humanity yeah. and um just like you know, Christi- just like any religion right well just like especially christianity all many of the other religions are more regional but christianity and islam uh, i mean uh, mm-hmm. uh, have every shade in humanity and, yes. and and belong to every culture so uh mm-hmm. it was always interesting to to see that <laughs> that people expect you have to be uh, brown skin, you know, brown or black yeah. to be a Muslim. Right. Very nice. <laughs> and and the funny thing is, even when they are uh, American, um, what like family been here for generations, they the they've said, you know, I always get asked where I'm from, and so mm-hmm. they're like, I'm from, you know, I'm from Texas. I've my family's been in Texas, like, and then it's like, but where are your parents from? And they're like, no, I'm not an, like, my parents didn't immigrate here in the last century. My family's been here for three, 300 years. So, <laughs> again, that shows that stereotype of, like, Muslims have to be uh, uh, immigrants or foreigners right. yeah. or they right. can't just, you know, be, you know, here for generations. So, it's it's funny to see them get those kind of 
um, questions as well. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, this might come off the wrong way, but (laughs) is it true that you both came to the U.S. from Somalia when you were younger? I'm curious. What the yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not wrong at all. <laughs> I'm so curious, you know, just kind of wanting to learn more about what that was like um, coming here and being Muslim and being from a different um, cultural, ethnic, religious background. And how did that maybe impact what you're doing today? Well, you know, I'm I'm a lot older than Elise, and I came here when I was 14. She came here when she was very young, eight years old or something. But anyway, I came here when I was 14 and, um, you know, over 30 years ago, and America was very, very different. I, I felt like there was a sense of curiosity then, and people, you were almost kind of an ecstatic being. <laughs> you know, when I first came to this country, people would just, you know, ask me where I was from. And if I tell them, you know, I, I, I'm from Africa, most people didn't expect to see an African that that looks like me, you know, because I'm kind of a browner skin, almost, you know, a fairer skin a little bit. And I had long wavy hair. And, um, you know, people would almost argue with me. No, you can't be from Africa. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they're expected. I mean, you, they, you know, they must have expected all Africans to be really, really dark skin, skin and, you know, more thicker features. And Africa is the most um, diverse um, continent in the world. And, and, and of course, black people are the, you know, also, also you know, very diverse in terms of um, their skin, skin tones. And so, um, but it was really, it, it, it was different back then. And, and I, I, for the past, Six, seven, eight years, I would say, um, I almost didn't recognize the America I came to 30 years ago um, anymore because it, it's just it's been unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't even remember feeling the way I have been feeling the past six or eight years um, and five years. <laughs> um, I don't remember feeling even that way after September 11th. Um, so I feel like America has really, um, there has been a lot of progression and <laughs> going back. I, 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 so it, it's been very, very strange. And, and that's why for me, I've, because I know the America that I love and the people, America, the American people who are so kind and decent and generous are still here. And everything that's so wonderful about this country has been lost into the midst of what has been happening for the past several years. And because of that, it was so important for me. And as a storyteller, as a writer, um, it was very important for me to make the, you know, to make sure that we have these conversations and 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 that we didn't just to, to do nothing was never an an option. And um, that's why when Elise and I met, I, I mean, I had these feelings for a long time. We need to, I need to do something, but what do I do when, and how do I do it? But moving back to Seattle after being gone for many, many years, um, I, the, the city I, I left was very, very liberal and very kind and, 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 and friendly. And I came back 
and it was different. And, and I said to myself, if Seattle, one of the most liberal cities in the country, if people are looking at me the way they are looking at me, although this time around, I came back wearing a hijab. <laughs> when I left, you know, um, I, I, I was not a hijabi. Um, I, I, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, if Seattle is this way, if I'm seeing this in regular basis, you know, if I'm seeing this discomfort around people, then something is seriously wrong and we have to do something, even if it's, you know, something as simple as just inviting people for dinner and conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I think Becca and I can definitely share uh, the feeling that you have, you know, to see the attitudes that people have about those that aren't like them, who don't dress like them, believe like them, talk like them, you know, uh, and, and, and that's something it's, it's painful to see. It's difficult. And, um, and I love that what you, uh, what you ladies decided to do was to do something really, um, in some ways, very, very simple, which is just the idea of, oh, let's get people together and have a meal and share a meal together. But yet even that very simple thing of sitting down across the table from another person and sharing a meal together is actually something very almost subversively powerful and radical because it does uh, people their walls come down when they're when they're eating a meal um, even if they're just small talking you know I, I, we um, these catalysts we do these peace feasts and uh, the first time I went to one of them which is very similar to what you guys are doing um, we just spontaneously just started talking I think one of the women just started talking about her daughter going to college and and we all responded not as Christians or Muslims, but as parents, uh, because we have children. And so we can relate. And it was just an automatic, seamless conversation um, between people who all uh, recognized that, yes, this is what it's like to be a parent and to have children. And and we all had very similar concerns. And uh, it was just a beautiful thing. And I think that's the kind of a magical thing that can happen over a meal. Uh, and I, I'm just so glad you guys have been doing what you're doing. Uh, now, is it really now? Is it only centered in Seattle, or are you seeing it spreading to other places? Currently, we're based in Seattle. Um, before COVID, we traveled to a few uh, major cities, and um, um, we don't know what that's going to look like for now because we haven't been able to gather, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but we are, and we we did think like, would it be? How could we do it through Zoom? And there's something about doing things like this through, you know, virtual experiences that's just not the same. And we're trying to figure out maybe doing breakout rooms or having something like that. But we're hoping um, once things kind of calm down with COVID and the vaccine and all that stuff, um, that we could resume. Um, we, we were planning on having chapters, so folks who have um, an interest in starting small dinners in their cities could do it. So look out for that. Yeah. Can I ask you uh, uh, a question? So, so you, your, your program also does dinners? Yes. Uh, we, we call them peace feasts. Um, and I, it sounds like it's pretty similar to what you guys do. Um, we should, we should do something together. We should have our own show. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> On Netflix. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well, you know what's really exciting is like, you know, um, 
peace catalyst started, you know, from the Christian side of things and, and, and some Christians saying, hey, let's get together with Muslims and do this. And it's fascinating to meet you because you're Muslims who decided, hey, let's meet across the table from Christians and do the exact same thing. And I think it's so beautiful. It's kind of exciting. We're all kind of inspired, I think, by the same, we have the same goals and some of the same methods. And, uh, and I think we've experienced some of the same things by having these kinds of meals uh, with other, uh, with people who are not like us, but we, what we learn is that we actually have a lot more in common than we thought. Right. And, and we're humanizing one another. So yes. when we are able to have the simple small talk, we're not seeing, like you said, keep the faith or this or that. You're just like, Oh man, you had a bad day yesterday too. Oh, tell me about it. Right. Like those kind of things is what brings people together and normalizing our, seeing our humanity within each each of us right and everybody loves food of course nobody's gonna say no to having a decent meal <laughs> even if they don't like you in the beginning <laughs> oh yes now here's what i find fascinating um because uh even though you know peace catalyst is a uh as a christian based organization and you're and you are muslim uh what i find fascinating is both uh both of us have decided that the meals that we eat are um, they're more traditionally like Mediterranean or, or um, Muslim kind of meals. Like in other words, we don't eat cheeseburgers and pizza because the food is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, much better. <laughs> so we would much rather sit down and eat those kinds of meals. Right. Yeah, and and we we love supporting. You know, um, we we cook and we cater too, and so we love supporting small businesses that are, um, that have just amazing flavorful dishes that, yeah, it's for a lot of folks, it can be unique to have meals like that when they don't get that all the time. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask what's like the most, the crowd pleaser meal that you, that you have. Oftentimes we, um, we got a lot of obviously Mediterranean dishes and, uh, the Turkish, uh, Meals are very, very um, favorable, but there's this one dish that Elise and I make, and we call it, um, it's just, it's beans, um, a black bean dish. And, uh, but, but, but it's very, the, the, the flavors are very traditional, uh, Somali flavors. And uh, uh, w- sometimes we mix different beans together. We call it uh, the American, what, what do we, United, United American, United Beans, beans of America. America. <laughs> <laughs> so white beans, kidney beans, and pinto beans. Yeah. So it's brown, black, and, and, and white. It's all oh. mixed. And, and it's been just, it's been a hit. Uh, people love it. It's the first thing that goes. Um, I love it. But yeah, yeah the, the food has been just incredible. I mean, Somali food is, 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 amazing um uh, it's mixture of indian and and and, and middle eastern and um and so and turkish food uh, from different arab uh, uh you know arab dishes from syrian uh, uh to moroccans to so um yeah i mean there's a lot of similarities between these foods but um yeah the food was always hit oh, cool even the food is doing peacemaking. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I think like you, uh, we're, we're also very much looking forward to the day when uh, COVID is in a re- rearview mirror and we can get together again safely and share meals together and have sort of face-to-face meetings again. We're looking forward to that time. Uh, and I, yeah, I think it'd be wonderful if we could do something together one of these days. That would be really great. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we miss that human touch. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm getting, uh, we already have another program. We have a fellowship. Um, uh, so we have 17 fellows. So we've been doing our Zoom uh, uh, teaching uh, young uh, black Jabbies how to do their own advocacy and their own storytelling and take charge for their own narrative, um, which is great. Uh, and, and obviously we come together and eat together uh, via Zoom. But it's just not the same. We, you know, just that shoulder to shoulder, you know, sitting with people you've never met before, and all of a sudden you feel like you've seen them before. They seem so familiar, and 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 we've made friends from all over the country. I mean, you know, we had so many plans of even going to small towns. America, you know, very small towns, and and we, we there was a story um, uh, um, that Airbnb magazine did a story on Eid with Muslims, and of course they put their magazine everywhere, you know, all the houses uh, and and spaces that are part of Airbnb, and we had so many people calling us and asking us, you know, uh, do you have a chapter in this city or you know that town? And uh, we were looking forward to going to so many places before mm. coronavirus. And uh, we can't wait. We just cannot wait. Till- yeah. But you know, it's still, it's, still very, it's still very encouraging, isn't it? That when people hear about this kind of thing, um, they're immediately open and excited about it. Like, hey, we want to do one in our city. We want, we'd like to do something like that where we are. That, that kind of thing gives, gives me a lot of hope because it's easy mm-hmm. to talk about what we've, we've both talked about this um, you know, we run into the, the, the attitudes and the, the misunderstandings and the, the prejudices and assumptions that, and that's what we're trying to overcome. But, but as much as you see that, um, at least I have seen this and it sounds like you've seen this as well. You also run into people who are genuinely open and, and open-hearted and open-minded, um, and who are hearing this kinds of thing, the kind of things you are doing and just want to see it happen even more. They want to be a part of it. And, uh, and that encourages me. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping that we get to continue, you guys get to continue doing what you're doing as well. Mm-hmm. And that this kind of thing would continue to spread. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. We, we should definitely look forward to, uh, inshallah, uh, as soon as, you know, we are able to, uh, safely to maybe do something, amazing together like the our first dinners yes. maybe we can we can host our first dinners together yeah. and um yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> i think that would be, i think that would be lovely that would be, so that would be so wonderful thank you so much we really appreciate what you're doing and and we're so grateful to be you know to have the opportunity to talk to you yes and we look forward to maybe one day seeing you inshallah <laughs> yes. same here as well thank you both so much thank, thank you for being here God bless. Thank you. Wow, that was so great. So many wonderful ideas there. I think um, the thing that I thought was so cool was how um, 
they weren't weren't even aware that Peace Catalyst was doing something very similar on the Christian side. And it's really interesting to talk to somebody on um, doing something very, very similar on the Muslim side of things to bring peace and kind of using the same strategy, right? Sitting down and eating together. That seems to be uh, a pretty cool approach. And it's, you know, it's also interesting because it seems like that's what Jesus did. He was always sitting down and either inviting himself to somebody's house to eat something or sitting down and having a meal with someone. It seems like that's a wonderful way to break down barriers and uh, have conversations over a meal. Totally. I love how Jesus also, he didn't just like invite people to eat. He invited himself over for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Reverse hospitality. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes. Just as I'm not that bold yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Maybe after COVID. Yes. Well, you know, um, so one of the things that I I wrote down that that Fatia had said that in the conversation that I thought was so, I think it's true. Um, You know, uh, she said that Muslims are more accepting of Christians and Jews than the other way around. And, um, and I think that's probably true. I, I would honestly say in my experience, I, I have, I have been really surprised and blessed and, um, you know, just overwhelmed with how incredibly welcoming I think every Muslim I've ever had a conversation with, um, or sat down with, uh, whether they've come to my house or I've gone to their house or we've met somewhere else, you know, to have a meal together. Um, so gracious, so kind and understanding. And of course I know there's exceptions in every example, but, um, but speaking as a Christian, I, 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 I definitely run into the resistance from other Christians to even to the idea of having, you know, uh, accepting someone of another faith. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting observation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, hospitality is so key to peacemaking. And I think Muslims, any Muslim that I know is like the most, they're the most hospitable people <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> And it's really cool to like recognize that that is kind of the key to opening the door for relationships. Um, yeah. In a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, <clears throat> some of that is probably, you know, from their culture, you know, I think middle Eastern cultures uh, seems that hospitality is just sort of a, uh, a default kind of an idea, which is really beautiful. I think it's great. And, you know, I've seen it also in, um, you know, living here in Texas and, a lot of Hispanic cultures are also very, very, you know, very, they're very family oriented, very food oriented, very, very happy to open their home and have people over uh, to share meals. Um, I've, you know, I've also experienced that even with, we had a, I had a neighbor several years ago. In fact, this, this person had such an impact on my whole family and he was, uh, his name was Neil and he, he moved into the house next door to us. He was Filipino and, um, you know, knocked on the door of every neighbor in, on the street, introduced himself. When he moved into the house, he had this massive party with incredible food and um, invited all of, everyone in the neighborhood over to his, to his house for this amazing party with this amazing food. Wow. He had planned all these games for the kids. Like my boys were young at the time. He had gone out and bought probably $50 worth of toys and prizes for the kids. And they, so when they played games, they all went home with a toy or a gift or something. He sent us home with like, you know, he says we were leaving and he goes, 
why don't you make yourself a plate? So, you know, I'm making myself a very modest plate of the food. And he goes, oh, no, no. And he grabs an entire tray of like Korean barbecue spare ribs. And he goes, here, take these. And we went home with like food for the month. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was so, oh, he, he was just, that's just the way he was. And he was so overwhelmingly gracious and hospitable. And he, just the fact that he moved into our neighborhood, he brought the neighborhood together. I met neighbors that I'd lived next to for years that I never met before until Neil moved in and had us meet at his house, right? Because yeah. he, he invited us over and we shared things together. And he actually was such an inspiration for us that a few years later, when we moved into another house, into another community, um, in another city, um, we determined, our family said, we want to be families like Neil in our neighborhood. We want to have everybody over at our house. We want to have them invite them for meals at our house. We want to be the family that has all the kids playing in our backyard. And and it was simply because someone, you know, Neil kind of was the catalyst. He inspired us. He gave, he gave us a vision for what true hospitality looks like, what it really looks like to lo- love your neighbors. Um, and so I think those examples are so wonderful. I think we have so much to learn from people of other cultures. Um, and, you know, cause Neil, by the way, Neil wasn't a Christian. He didn't do these things because he was a Christian. I think he did it just because he loved community and he wanted to bless his neighbors. And, and as a Christian, it's sort of like, I want to do those things too, but also because I, uh, I love Jesus and I want the love of Jesus to be uh, evident in my life. So yeah, I think that's, um, it's an inspiring thing. And I think we have a lot to learn in that area. That's so cool. I love that. And I love how it was just like, like what you're saying, it sounds like very similar to the approach that Fatia and Elise take, where it's like just open door, like everybody's welcome, everyone's invited, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, like we just want you to come share a meal and kind of be open to learning something new about someone else that maybe you didn't know before and, and, and share about who you are. And there's definitely, I think, a level of vulnerability in that. Um mm-hmm. But I think that's what's so cool about like bringing people together around food is that it breaks it breaks down those barriers because when we're we're all eating, it's kind of like every human like likes food and needs food. So it seems mm-hmm. kind of like a great equalizer, you know, and, and when you're sitting down eating, you it just recognize that commonality. Um Yeah, no, so you know, um there was something that, that Fatih had said we, when we finished that recording. So we recorded that interview earlier. And after we finished that recording, she was kind of talking a little bit about um, an experience that she had had where there was a friend of hers who was a Christian and they were friends. And then there was a point where this friend basically said, I can't be your friend anymore. But when it became obvious that uh, she wasn't going to convert to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I really resonate with that so much. I think that is... Um, Cause I know what that feels like too, just from uh, the Christian side, you know, people break fellowship because we disagree on something or because, you know, we're not exactly on the same page. And this feeling that agreement is, is necessary to unity yeah. or uh, a condition, a, a conditional friendship or relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's really sad to me. I, I, I would like to see us as Christians um, adopt more of this kind of open hospitality no matter who the person is, right? Yeah. Whether it's um, someone we disagree with, oh, let, let's say we disagree with them over politics, we disagree with them over, you know, a point of doctrine, or we have a completely different, you know, um, uh, 
religious worldview, you know, whether it's a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian or Hindu or a Buddhist or whoever it happens to be, or an atheist, mm -hmm. um, that we could we could invite them into our home. We could go to their house. We could hang out with them. We could have conversations with them. We could learn to see them and treat them as human beings made in the image of God who are dearly loved of God, that they are people that God loves and, um, you know, that, that, and therefore we should love them too. Um, so I, hopefully that's something that with Peace Catalyst and with this podcast, um, I would like to see us inspire more of that and help us kind of get a, a, another, another way of thinking about what it looks like to extend the love of Jesus to people. Totally. I, yeah, I agree. And I think it was such, I am grateful that I've never experienced that type of re rejection or, you know, broken relationship, but I can't imagine how painful that would feel for someone to say, like, I can't be friends with you because you think this or you believe this, you know, that is just, um, it's definitely, yeah, I don't think it's the way that we're meant to, to love others. And like, especially as Christians or as anyone, like to treat someone, um, with such a conditional love is, um, yeah, it's dishonoring, I think, of, of who God created everyone to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, you had shared, um, in our quote, peacemaking quote of the week at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and there was something there about how he was talking about partitions and divisions and things like that. Yeah. Um, what was that again? Can you remind me again? What, what does he say there? Yeah, basically he's saying that like peace building is about building bridges, breaking down those walls, crossing the divide, and that that's what God calls us to do. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that's really powerful because, you know, I can see how, you know, I've heard some different strains of thinking of like, was, you know, why don't we just all stay in our own groups? And that would be a more peaceful way to live is if we just stay in our own cultures, stay in our, our, our own um, communities. But I think the way of Jesus models going across the Sea of Galilee to heal the man who was possessed by demons. Yeah. And yeah, how he went out of his way to go through Samaria to talk to the woman at the well. Yes. Exactly. Um, how he... Uh, you know, he affirmed the the faith of the Roman centurion, who was a completely a Gentile, and said, "I've never seen greater faith in all of, you know, Judea that I, as I see in this Gentile, you know, uh, Roman centurion of all things." Right. Yeah, Jesus definitely goes out of his way. I mean, you know, I think even in the, you know, someone had was pointing out the fact that, I mean, just look at the kinds of disciples that Jesus chose. I mean, so from the very beginning, he doesn't choose disciples who all think the same. He on purpose, he goes out of his way. He gets a zealot and he gets a tax collector who's like sort of a Roman sympathizer. Right. He gets a fisherman who don't even know anything about theology or God or anything or just everyday ordinary people. Um, and so, I mean, look at that. So Jesus is celebrating diversity of thought, diversity of, of um, backgrounds. And he really kind of goes across every division, every dividing line and erases it. You know, it's like, um, this idea, it's like, I think it carries forward into what Paul says, you know, that in the body of Christ, there is no longer any Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, rich or poor, you know, uh, young or old, every possible way that we would think of dividing ourselves from one another. In Christ, those things are meant 
to disappear and to fade away. And so, absolutely, I think you know this this whole this whole idea. I mean, on the surface level, that that does seem to make sense, and I get it when people say, you know, look, um, the best way to bring peace between Christians and Muslims is Christians stay over here, and Muslims you stay in your corner, and uh, you don't bother me, I won't bother you, and there you go. Well, that's not really. That's that not really, really peacemaking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like that's why I like the quote that you shared because it it's the it's showing that peacemaking is actually going to the crossing that bridge, right? Building you're building a bridge. Why? Because they're over there and I'm over here. Yeah. And I need to go over to where they are. I'm gonna break that barrier. I'm gonna cross that border. Right. Um and so, you know, think of it in the sense of like racial reconciliation. That yeah. that, that that's kind of the way, you know, Americans tried to sort of quote unquote solve the divide between blacks and whites was to say, well, you know, let's have a black side of town and a white side of town. Let's have black children go to their black schools and white children go to white schools. Let, you know, black people worship in your black churches, white people worship in white churches. And let's just, you know, um, kind of draw these lines and stay in our corners. And as we've seen, um, that did not work. That path does not lead to peace. It it just continues the division. I mean, Division and by, by definition, that is division. That is separation. Division and separation are not elements of peacemaking. So peacemaking, I think, involves us being willing to uh, erase those dividing lines. To say there aren't divisions. You know, let's look at again. We we say this all. I know I do. I say this all the time. It's focusing on what we have in common, mm-hmm. and not sort of staying on our side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think maybe the reason we might be tempted to say, well, let's just stay in our own corners is because peacemaking requires, it's hard, you know, like it's, it's not easy and it requires something, some kind of cost, I think, from us to go across that divide and to, to seek to build those bridges. Like, um, and so, but like you said, it's not really, if we just leave things as they are, it's not really like a real piece. It's kind of like a fake piece. Like, <laughs> okay, you're yeah. over here, you're over here, but we have all these issues. And unless we're willing to cross the divide, we can't really address them. Um, so I think that's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. See, it is easier and it is closer to like maybe something called peacekeeping. Yes. Which is, which is just another word for maintaining the status quo. Yeah. And I don't know, I just don't see Jesus as a guy saying, hey, everybody, let's just maintain the status quo. It's just great the way it is. Why would anybody rock the boat? Um, Nope, that's not the Jesus I see when I read the red letters. I see a Jesus who is rocking that boat, upsetting that status quo, who is not leading us in the easy path. It's the narrow, it's the difficult, it's the challenging path. Um, You know, that's one of the things I recognized uh, several years ago is that, um, you know, I don't really need faith. I don't really lean on and depend on my faith in Christ when I'm sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and watching American Idol. You know, I just don't need faith for that. Uh, Because again, but that's the easy path, right? That's just, it's so much easier just to stay in my house and don't rock the boat and all that. But see, but, but if you are really following Christ into these areas where, you know, um, like for, for me, several years ago, my wife, Wendy, and I started serving the poor, you know, and the homeless. That's kind of scary, to be honest, you know, getting in my car and driving across town to some pretty scary places, hanging out with some people, a little bit sketchy. I don't know what they're going to do if they're 
on something, if they have mental illness, they're, you know, I'm taking my kids with me for goodness sake when I go into these places. But I tell you what, um, in those situations, um, following Jesus into those places that I'm convinced Jesus would be, uh, himself. And and therefore if I'm following him, well, I should be right behind him. I should be there too. Um, in those situations, I, I am clinging desperately to my faith. I am, you know, inside, I'm not, maybe not outwardly, but inside I'm going, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, help me, help me, help me. What am I going to do now? What am I going to say now? Oh Jesus, tell me what to say to this person. Oh God, tell me what to pray for this person. Oh God, help me in this situation. I have no idea what I'm doing. Guess what? I need faith so desperately in those situations. And I think that those are the places that Jesus leads us. They're not, it's, he doesn't lead us into the safety, into the comfort zone, right? Um, the, everything that Jesus is about is leading us out of our comfort zone. He's leading us into places where we are stretched, where that's where we grow, right? Yeah. So yeah, I would just encourage if you're listening, if you're even tempted to think about, uh, well, peacemaking is just, you know, let's just take the easy path. Uh, Jesus doesn't seem to want to take us down that easy path. That's good. That's so good. I love what you're saying about faith too, because it really does require faith and it causes me to lean on God and, and ask him for guidance and wisdom and um, helps me, draws me closer to him when I'm engaged in those spaces. So yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I feel that quite often. And, um, <laughs> but that's good. You know, I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. I, and I hope, you know, this podcast and these conversations, you know, in a way we kind of, this is kind of what we want to do. Um, uh, you know, it's, what's that phrase, you know, we want to, uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of our goal. Reminds me of that Franciscan blessing. That's like, bless me with discomfort at easy answers and anger at injustice and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah I love that. Oh yeah. So, Thank you, everybody. I, I guess uh, I think we're we we wrap this one up. I thank you guys so much for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Peace Catalyst, uh, you can go to peacecatalyst.org. Uh, you can also join the uh, Facebook group. We have a Facebook group dedicated to the Peace Catalyst podcast. Um, make sure to join us over there, and we'll continue some conversations on that group. <laughs>